There's a quote that says, start the walk and the way will appear. In 2018, I unknowingly started my journey into becoming unique. My journey started with choosing me and understanding that self-love and self-care are so important in the evolution of you. There is no magic blue pill to transformation. It's all about the journey. The journey of self-love, self-care, being consistent, showing up for yourself, investing in yourself. The Become a Unique Podcast is a place where you can be well and be you. Welcome. You have truly arrived to a safe space. Be prepared to grow in such a beautiful way. Let's get this show started. Hey, y'all. So I can say we are officially like comfortable in season eight right now. We've already had a conversation around skincare. We've had a conversation around meditation. And this week, we're going to have a conversation around nutrition, inflammation. Yes. Oh, my goodness. Like the goal for the Becoming Unique podcast is to be a lifestyle podcast with a focus around wellness. So my goal on this platform is not to have one topic and we talk about the same thing over and over and over again. My goal is to be a complete lifestyle podcast where you never know what we're going to be talking talking about, but whatever we're talking about, it has to do with your lifestyle. Something, you know, tools and information and content that's going to, you know, help us all vibrate higher within our lifestyle. So I love the versatility that I have going on right now in season eight. Yay. So, but at the same time, you know, there is always an undertone of self-care, self-love, self you know, self-love um, and all that type of stuff, you know, th- that undertone will definitely be consistent. But, you know, I'm absolutely loving that the vers- versatility that's happening right now with every week, the conversations pretty is, is pretty much completely different from the week before or the week before. <laughs> so yeah, so I'm not going to chit chat too much, but let's get on in to today's episode around nutrition and inflammation. Let's go. Today on the Becoming Unique podcast, I have a beautiful and amazing guest by the name of Hillary. Welcome. Hi, glad to be here. Yes, and I'm so happy that you are here with us. So before we even get started, you have to let everyone know who is Hillary. (laughs) Uh, Well, Hillary uh, is a Seattleite. I live in Seattle, Washington. I'm I'm a nutritional therapy practitioner, an NTP. Um, But who I am at the heart is I just, I love to be outdoors. I love to spend time with my friends and family. I love to cook, um, you know, at the heart of it. That's, I'm usually in the kitchen doing, <laughs> doing something fun in there. I love to bake. Um, but yeah, 
being oh. outside is my refuge being in the woods that's that's where I find my my solace so I love it I love it today's topic is going to be about nutrition but before we start talking about the topic around nutrition um I would love for you to tell us one of your like favorite affirmations um you know, for me, affirmations are, it's usually some kind of a variable of um, giving myself permission to fail, um, give it, or, or what I would view as failing, giving myself permission to be who I need to be um, as long as I show up. Showing up is important. So it's usually some kind of variable of that. I don't, I don't have like a regular thing that I say about it, but it, yeah. it usually has something to do with just giving myself some permission to be who I need to be on any given day, whatever that looks like. Yeah, I love that. Giving myself permission to fail, not to be perfect, you know, yeah. um, and just to show up because so many of us stop. We don't even start something because we're expecting it to be perfect. But it's yeah. to have that understanding in our mindset that it's okay to go out there and do it with, you know, with failing. It's fine, long as you did it. So I love yeah, that, I love that for reminder sure. for all of us that, you know, giving myself permission to fail. I like that. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you said you are NTP. And mm -hmm. I would love for you to tell, just let's start with the basics. Like just give us the basic understanding around what is nutrition and what is digestion, like the basics. Okay. I love the basics. I love that you asked that. Mm -hmm. um, nutrition, we tend to think a lot of nutritionists will focus around, you know, what foods you're supposed to be eating, what kind of nutrients you're supposed to be taking in. And that is important. Um, but supporting other factors that are involved too, like our digestion, like the, our hormones, our insulin, our, you know, uh, digestive uh, enzymes, hydrochloric acid in the stomach, all of those things are really crucial to the process. Mm -hmm. um, and so as an NTP, it's important to help my clients understand that it comes from a lot of different angles and looking at that from an individual basis is actually what's the most important because you don't digest sugar the same way I do. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not going to be the same for any two people. So looking at it from an individual standpoint and finding out which of those components to support is the most important part. So when we look at in general, what is nutrition and what is digestion? Mm -hmm. Um, it really, it does come down to what you're putting in your mouth, right? It, um, mm -hmm. that is the very first and most important thing, but it's also, um, are we sitting down to eat? Are we supporting our rest and digest process or are we eating in the car on the run doing these other things and not giving our body the support it needs to actually stop and produce all the things that it needs to break down those foods. So mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it has to start there. It has to start in the way that you eat, what you're putting into your body. Uh, and then that needs to also be able to be broken down and moved through your body and toxins eliminated, waste eliminated um, in, you know, in a nutshell. It works north to south. So it's, it's starting by smelling your food, preparing your food, shopping for your food, even is like yeah. being at the farmer's market and going like, oh, like they grew this this, you yeah. know, kale here or whatever it is, or they raised this cow in, you know, 20 miles from where I live. 
that yeah. kind of thing is like really getting reconnected with your food and then and mm-hmm. then from there it's like preparing your body to to mm-hmm. actually move that food through your body and get those nutrients out of it oh my goodness I love everything you said and I love that you you make it clear that it's not one straight line for everyone. So we can't mm-hmm. go on the internet and say, I'm supposed to eat chicken and broccoli every day. And this is what my um, perfect diet is going to look like. You know, you yeah. have a lot of variables to weigh in. And I also like that you took it outside of the plate. You also said, how are you eating your food? You know, are you eating it on the go? So all of this, put, putting all of like these subtle details they're not really subtle, but these details into mindfulness, like, you know, can I wait 10 minutes to enjoy this meal at a table or do I need to eat on rush and eat on the go? You know, all of those details have to do with the digestion and are we allowing ourselves to have that rest and digest, um, right, rest and digest moments with ourselves so we can, you know, because two people could be eating the exact same meal plan, but one person may be eating it in a different way than the other person, and they have different outcomes in life, in their lives. So um, you're 100%. (laughs) You've got it. You're 100% spot on. I love the way you describe that. Yes, I I love that you, you brought all of that to, to the table. So now that you brought that to the table, (laughs) in a picture-perfect world, we know we are all individualistic people, but a picture-perfect world, how would you like for someone's day to look like with when it comes to nutrition and digestion? They wake up in the morning and now what? Oh, that's an interesting- Let's get your day. Let's get your day. Yeah. What's my day like? Um, This morning, like I said, it was was important to me to make sure that I got um, some movement and sunshine this morning and living in the Northwest, it's, those days are a little bit harder throughout the winter. So, and you know that in New York too. Um, so when it's a sunny day, I'm outside, whether it's just for a walk. So getting that first thing in the morning and telling my body Mm -hmm. it's daytime, um, that would be my first step. Um, and then just getting my movement and kind of just having a restful, peaceful morning. I don't always do any sort of like set like meditation or anything, but I do try to have a restful, like sit down, um, time to myself. Um, and, and then typically speaking, um, I'm trying to, my days are so different. So this is, (laughs) so, um, I usually eat for me, I eat breakfast later in the morning. That's my body tolerates that a little bit better, but I have, I have a very balanced breakfast with Um, lots of good fats and protein and some carbohydrates, usually from some like vegetables. Um, But I like sit down and I eat that and I'm sitting at my table Mm -hmm. and I'm chewing every bite and I'm enjoying every component of it. I love food. So for me, Mm -hmm. it's pretty easy to do that. Um, Then, you know, typically I'm at work probably like nine or 10. um, And then I work for a few hours and I'm making sure I'm getting up every, every couple of hours to again, move or to just take a break from my computer screen. Everything I do is on a computer. (laughs) So um, the gym might make it in there, some kind of yoga or workout uh, at some point in the morning also. Um, And, and then, you know, starting to get around like four 35 o'clock, that's when I start to get hungry and I start to prepare my dinner and I, I've had it. I usually have it planned. I do a meal plan for myself because I find it's easier for me to make better decisions that way. Mm-hmm. So I've already planned out what I'm going to be making. 
um, and I prepare my meal and I, again, I sit down to eat it. I turn off screens, usually, um, at least computer screens and phone I'll turn off usually around five or six in the evening. And then, um, sometimes I'll watch some TV or a movie or something, um, mm-hmm. later into the evening, but, and then, you know, off to bed I go. So nothing really spectacular or interesting, mm-hmm. but that's, yeah, I, I like being intentional, I guess. Yeah. You know, um, I like that you you put a lot of emphasis on the movement, the sun, and those elements of your um of your nutrition and digestion. Like you didn't say what you had on your plate. You didn't say, oh, for dinner I do this, this, and that. You was just like, you know, I, I turn my TV off, I or you know, I turn my screens off. You put a lot of focus around that because you know, like I I say a lot of times on this podcast, the magic blue pill. Everyone's just like. Give, tell me what to eat. Tell me what to eat. And you put yeah. emphasis on more, <laughs> of the, more of the lifestyle. And I'm going to assume you do like a brunch for your breakfast because you didn't say lunch. So your breakfast is your breakfast and lunch at the same time. Yeah, my my body seems to tolerate two kind of larger meals better than than an, I don't typically snack. I'm not I'm not like picking or grazing. I try to listen to what my body needs. Like Um, you know, sometimes if I am hungry at lunch, even if I had a big breakfast, I'll grab like some like nuts or seeds, maybe like a cheese or some olives, something like that. That's small, but sustaining, Mm -hmm. um, to me, it's not about calories. It's about the, it's about the nutrient density. It's about the quality of food I'm putting in my stomach. And is it going to sustain me? So, and is Mm -hmm. it going to sustain my energy throughout the day? Um, so I, I tend to eat two kind of larger meals in a day, and then sometimes I'll have a little snack. Okay. Yeah. I like that. I like that you say you do two meals. I personally, I probably do one solid meal. <laughs> and yeah, so, yeah. So every one of us is just so different. And I, and I kind of, I'm intuitive with myself as well. So I kind of, kind of go where, where I'm feeling by, I pull in a lot of liquids. So I'll do green juices and, um, you know, in teas and so on. That's just my personal um, way I do things because yeah. I just feel when I start to eat, for me personally, when I start to eat too much, I feel that my body is working very hard to to um, to digest the food. Like I feel more yeah. drained. So and they can, yeah, yeah, sure. so, yeah. So some people's bodies are able; they can knock that food out one, two, three, digest it, it's done me. I'm feeling like, sl- I'm like, wait a minute. I'm body working too hard to, to get this food down. That's why I think liquids yeah. and soups work so well for me because the food is already pre-broken down. Um, so, yeah. I'm, so I'm able to um, digest it faster and easier. <laughs> yeah. And you're intuitive to that. You're, you're like, you recognize that about yourself. So, uh, so when you, someone comes sees you, I guess they're bringing you the, their blood work and all that type of stuff as well too. They can. Yeah. Um, I work with other providers to try to get, you know, some collaboration going. I can order some of that testing on my own. Um, but because my services are not billable to insurance, they'll usually go to their doctor and get it covered by insurance, which is fantastic. Um, yeah. cause it's all the same information. Um, so yeah, sometimes they'll bring those to me. Typically speaking, what I work with is very just subjective. It's a lot of questionnaires and things like that, um, that help us to kind of pinpoint, um, what, what their symptoms are. They might be having symptoms that they don't even recognize they're having. Yeah. Um, and, they and just then it's normal. And, Mm-hmm. Exactly. And where that's coming from. And so a lot of that is based on um, subjective information. 
but I love the data. So I will, I will definitely send them out for, for functional testing as well. If we, if we need that. So. Okay. So that's, um, that's good to know. So, um, I wanted to, you know, we kind of got the basics, um, your definitions of the basics around nutrition and digestion and that it's more than what's on your plate. It's more about the lifestyle that you're creating around your digestion and, and so on. And when it comes to, I feel like it's everywhere, everywhere I turn around, I hear about inflammation, inflammation. Oh, this, yeah. you know. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to get some more understanding around inflammation. So like, what is inflammation? That's a great question. Inflammation is a broad topic. Um, so I will try to keep it very simple. It's, um, it's a necessary function that our body uses in order to like heal tissues or fight uh, foreign invaders in our body, fight viruses and bacteria. Um, it's necessary. It's, it's when you, you know, if you trip and injure your ankle and it swells, that's inflammation. That's your body rushing nutrients and oxygen and healing agents to mm -hmm. that area to try to heal it. Um, but our, our modern lifestyle is, has a lot more stressors that actually cause inflammation than what they did a few hundred thousand years ago it's our stressors are a lot different and a lot more constant now. So we have constant inflammation or mm -hmm. chronic inflammation in our culture, whereas it used to be more like an injury or maybe even hunger might have led us to have some inflammatory um, response. But now, now we're constantly stressed and our mind is always going and we're always trying to get to the next meeting and we're always eating, eating in a hurry and causing these like food sensitivities and inflammation response. Um, we're having this very constant flow of inflammation anymore. So, yeah. So what does inflammation look like? So if someone has inflammation, like outside of them, you know, having a wrist, you know, an ankle injury and we see like, oh, your ankle's swollen up, you have inflammation. But what does inflammation look like when someone didn't have an injury? Um, what does that look like in a person? That's the really hard, I think that's, you're spot on. Like, that's why we don't recognize it because it's not as tangible. Um, it can look like, it can be as simple as, you know, some pain or some like headaches, um, even abdominal cramping, things like that. But there are um, immune responses that are causing inflammation from foods that will cause things like increased mucosal response. So we're getting stuffy head, we're getting runny nose, we're getting phlegmy cough, you know, after we eat. Mm -hmm. um, it could look like stiffness, kind of like you wake up in that, like, oh, I just really need to kind of move and stretch today. Yeah. That can actually be an inflammatory response from a food sensitivity. Mm -hmm. um, so it can be very subtle and things that we do not tie necessarily to inflammation. Um, mm -hmm. it, yeah. it can look like a lot of different things is unfortunately my answer. It's not a very clear answer. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. But, like you said, 
that's the way life is. It's no one, it's no straight line. But um, you said some things that I never even thought of, like, you know, um, a headache can be inflammation, which I, that makes sense though. Or, um, you know, like you said, you wake up in the morning and you just feel like uncomfortable within your body and you need to stretch or something like that. That can be inflammation. You know, a lot of times when I think, I think of inflammation, I think, oh, my stomach is bloated. I'm inflamed. So, that's and one, that's yeah. kind of like the general topic that I thought of inflammation as but you brought up some other pointers that could be available for um as inflammation so is the bloated stomach inflammation or is it just a fat gut <laughs> uh, <laughs> um that's a good it's it is a type of inflammation it's it's actually probably more from fermentation it's mm. which is which is a lot of times caused by bacteria that is causing inflammation so okay. if you notice kind of like more swelling in joints or like kind of just more, more puffiness. I hear a lot of, especially women say like, I feel puffy, um, mm -hmm. puffy or swollen. That is inflammation. The bloating in your gut, that really tangible, that really like, oh, this like feels miserable. Whereas you're probably not noticing the puffiness as much mm -hmm. is probably the source of all of that. Um, in a lot of cases, I see that's, that bloating is caused by too much, you know, quote unquote, bad bacteria or bacteria in the wrong places that mm. is also causing inflammation, but it's causing fermentation of the food that mm. you're eating. And we don't want that. Yeah. So what is, okay, what is fermentation of the food? Fermentation, if you think about, um, I don't know how much you know about like how wine is made or how beer is made, but it's, it's an intentional process <laughs> of putting, what's that? I said kombucha. Yeah, exactly. Kombucha. It's, mm -hmm. it's an intentional process where we're pairing bacteria with sugar or with yeast. And we are um, allowed, the bacteria feed off of that sugar and it creates a gas. And that's what those bubbles are in um, like kombucha, or that's what the bubbles are in beer. And that's what that kind of like yeasty smell is when you smell a wine or things like that. That's fermentation. Mm -hmm. um, and when that happens in your gut, you can imagine that gas kind of expands and creates this really like this discomfort in your gut. And that's, mm -hmm. that's typically a sign that you have some bacterial imbalance happening there. But there's a lot of those bacteria that are driving inflammation. Also, your body is trying to get rid of those bacteria. They're not supposed to be there, but we keep feeding them. Yeah. And so they keep causing this cycle of the fermentation, the bloat, and yeah. then it's feeding them. They're like, yay, we're happy. And then they just keep thriving and it yeah. keeps getting worse and it keeps getting worse. And um, so, yeah, there's a little bit of a crossover mm. there. So, yeah, I know when um, we were messaging each other, I had asked you about food combination. And I know you said, you know, you, you don't necessarily work on that. But um, yeah. the first time I um, heard about fermentation within the gut is when I heard, when I started to hear conversation about food combination, because they say, if you're combining the foods, um, the way they're not supposed to be combined, then it's going to create the fermentation for, this is yeah. the only one example I could probably really say, because I'm, you know, I've just gotten pieces of the, um, the food combination piece, but like, yeah melons you never supposed to mix with anything so let's say if I eat watermelon 
Mm -hmm. uh, and it, it digests really, really quickly. So I should wait 20 minutes before I eat something else. But if I eat watermelon and then right after I eat the watermelon, I decide yeah, I'm at a party and they have like the table of all the treats. Now I'm going to go snack on the chips and I'm going to go snack on this. And I still got this watermelon yeah. in my stomach. Now it's fermenting with all of this other foreign objects that we, um, that we were eating with it as well too. So then yeah. uh, so th this is that I'm trying to start being more mindful of like how I am combining, even I know we're not going to be talking about combining, combining my foods because yeah. of the fact that, you know, it, you know, it's, it's creating the fermentation and then you can't trust when you go to restaurants and, um, and outside your home that they're going to be creating these perfect meal plans. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. They create it for your flavor, but a lot of times some things may not, should not go with each other because then the combination of the two is creating, like you say, these gases and these bacteria, which in, with, yeah. within our gut system. And then all of a sudden we're like, oh, I'm bloated. <laughs> right, exactly. And I think that's like, to your point, we're circling back. Like that's why it's really important to support your digestion also, because if we can look at what's happening in your gut, then we can we can start to make changes that will help repair that so that you can go to that party and you can enjoy the watermelon and the chips and all the things that, you know, that will cause more fermentation when they are paired together, but your body will be able to handle it more. If we, if we're able to balance the microbiota, the bacteria, if we're able to improve, you know, your digestive enzymes, that's where looking at your individual digestion is really important because it's not that you just shouldn't ever do that. It's yeah. that it's that we need to, we need to get your gut to a point where it can handle that when you do. Mm -hmm. So what would you do? Like, okay, someone says, okay, I am constantly bloated. I don't, you know, even know what is causing the bloat. Cause I feel like everything I eat, I'm bloated. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, and you're like, okay, you're looking at like, okay, they got some digestion issues going on. Um, how do you even like figure that out? Like, are you just figuring out from the questionnaire? And then like, what is your game plan for this person? Um, those are, those are actually really fun cases for me because that's, like I said, that's typically where the gut is out of balance. Um, there's two tests I would use. I am getting a phone call. Sorry. Um, I, there's two tests that I really love to use. One is called an organic acids test and one is called a GI map. The GI map is a stool analysis. So they, the client will get it, they send it off to lab and basically they analyze it for um, all kinds of bacteria like, and also viral infections. So there's one called H. pylori, um, which is a major cause of also not being able to produce enough stomach acid um, it leads to a lot of like candida, yeast overgrowth situations. It leads to a lot of other health problems, but there's other things like E. coli and, you know, all these um, viruses, parasites that can get into our system that we're completely unaware of because we just think of them as like, like you said, it's normal. It's like normal symptoms that we're like, we're just used to dealing with. Um, and so we don't recognize it. So that will tell us a lot of information about what your liver enzymes are doing, um, how much gut bacteria you have, what you have in balance to one another, um, things like that. So that's like, that, those are my favorite go-tos to, to discover what the actual imbalances are. 
Um, and then going forward, typically speaking, what we're going to do is if there is a major imbalance, um, we want to, while I'm, I have to say like a disclaimer that I'm not, uh, I don't advocate for using rigid diets. However, in cases like this, where we would want to kill off bacteria in order to rebuild like a proper mm -hmm. stable bacteria setting, um, we want to not feed those. And that means cutting out a lot of sugars and carbohydrates. And that's hard for a lot of people. It's really hard. And we're not just talking about refined. We're talking about everything in this particular type of case. Mm -hmm. um, we want to cut out all the starches, the, the refined grains, the, even the whole grains to some extent. Um, and, and start focusing on not only repairing the lining of the gut, because that's probably also damaged from the bacteria, but focusing on killing that off and rebuilding it. And so that can be a lengthy protocol, um, but it's worth looking into. And then there's a the more simple approach. If it's not as severe, then we can also just, you know, we can minimize the carbohydrates and the sugars that you're taking into your body. We can support the digestive enzymes that are being produced. We can, there's a lot of different factors that we can use for it, but sometimes it involves a very uh, extraneous, like kill off protocol. Okay. So now how, with taking these tests, how far back can it research? Because someone may, if someone takes the test on the Monday morning and they were like eating trash all weekend and their gut line is like, <laughs> like trash um, because <laughs> they're, they're pooping out what they just had over the weekend. Or if someone says, oh, I know I'm about to have this test. Let me eat good for this next week. And then, <laughs> you know, because they want to lie to the, you know, make it things look good. How far back can it really tell like what's going on? Or is it just like what you did over the past three days? That's an interesting question. I would say for the most part, it's just what you did over the past three days. Um, there are some factors, like some foods that I will have the patient either or the client like either eliminate or, or eat more of during that time to get a more accurate reading. There's like a, it will actually measure like the fat that's in your gut. Um, and so eating fat is important to get that measurement, um, getting a proper, like, um, testing for an immune reaction for like wheat requires you to eat wheat so that we can see what that reactivity looks like. Mm -hmm. Um, overall, the bacteria is probably not going to change. If you have a bacterial imbalance or like some kind of a problem, um, that's what you ate like within the last couple of days is not going to change that so much that it's going to change the outcome of the test. If that makes sense, mm -hmm. it's not going to change the fact that there is a problem. Yeah. Um, it might skew the numbers a little bit, but not, we'll, we'll still be able to see like, Oh, there's a big imbalance here. Mm. So. Okay. So now the test results come back. Okay. Unique. There's a lot of, bacteria imbalance fermentation like we gotta attack it okay you're telling me to stop eating sugar and carbs and yeah. um and, and and detox in that type of way is there anything else you're giving me to support me in that time frame like are there like digestive enzymes or I don't know something like that happening yeah uh -huh. Yeah. Um, digestive enzymes are huge because for a lot of people the reason we have that issue is because we don't have 
the proper support to get like our body is designed to get rid of those things we're supposed to have some bacteria and it's supposed to be in our large intestine it's not supposed to be anywhere else in our body so when we eat and we get this blow up here bacteria is not supposed to be there so the mechanisms that keep that out need to be looked at and and a lot of times that's going to be like is your stomach producing enough acid to break down your food properly to kill these things um, are you snacking all the time? Snacking is one way um, to prevent your body from being able to sweep it out. There's, there's a mechanism your body uh, uses called the migrating motor complex. I won't get too technical with it, but it's, it, it's just, it happens when we're hungry. When, you have, when your stomach is growling, that is when your, your body is actually sweeping through your small intestine and getting and flushing out all the bacteria that's in there because we're not supposed to have bacteria in there, good or bad. So it's a good um, thing when your stomach is growling. Exactly. I mean, <laughs> listening to hunger is one thing, but yeah, you have to like, when we're constantly grazing and snacking, that's, that's one way that we're not supporting our body's ability, our body's natural ability to get rid of these things. So it has to come from an individual standpoint. I'd have to look at all those individual yeah. components to decide that. But a lot of times, yeah, it's going to be some digestive enzyme support. It's going to be eliminating the sugars, balancing your meals so that you don't feel like you need to be eating all the time. So we're, we're educating through that. Um, how do we eat to support that system? And then also, you know, there's factors like um, blood sugar regulation. How, how, so your adrenals are involved in that. Stress hormones are actually involved in that as well as your pancreas and things like that, that we already kind of know. So supporting those factors as well, as well hormonally um, to make sure that, mm -hmm. that your body stays stable and we're not just constant. Like the reason you eat, the reason you snack or you choose these like sweet foods is because you're creating them. Your body needs them. Mm -hmm. And so why, why is that the case? Then we want to yeah. look at, nourishing you better with better yeah. quality foods so that that's not needed so your body doesn't desire to crave um yes. the excess yeah but you still feel satisfied and satiated and full yeah so. yeah exactly I feel like I want to circle back around to digestive enzymes um yeah digestive enzymes um I've never taken them um I've heard them over maybe the past year and a half two years like you know in passing but I want to yeah. get an understanding exactly what it is what is it made of like what is digestive mm -hmm. enzymes? <laughs> they come from a few different places in your body um so you you have some enzymes that are actually produced by the stomach you have some that are produced uh by the pancreas that are going to be released at certain times depending so your body can actually recognize what type of food you're eating and produce the enzymes that are needed to break down that food. What your body will always produce is stomach acid. It's called hydrochloric acid. Um, and that is needed to kill, like, kill, the, kill the bacteria, kill pathogens, and to it also stimulates the process to um, break down proteins. So there's enzymes and then there's also hydrochloric acid. Mm -hmm. um, so you can take like digestive enzyme supplements that have, and there's, there's certain enzymes in foods that also will help. So things like bromelain in like pineapple, if you've ever heard of someone eating like pineapple after they eat like a big steak, okay. um, it's because the bromelain can be helpful 
a helpful mm -hmm. substitute for digested enzymes. Um, that's just one example, but um, internally speaking, our body's going to produce those things on their own. You can take supplemental enzyme support. You can also stimulate the production of those enzymes by eating bitter foods or yeah. taking what's called digestive bitters. So there's bitters and then there's enzymes. So the bitters actually help your body to figure it out. They eating things like arugula or like bitter roots or bitter, just any kind of bitter food before your meal is what starts to get that stuff. Get the flowing. digestive system flowing. Yeah. 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 So mm -hmm. there's a few ways to support it. Um, your body should do it naturally. And when I support it supplementally with a client, um, I try my very best to make it a very temporary solution because I want their body to learn how to effectively do it on their own. So um, if they do bitters, bitters is more of, I guess, the natural way to go. Um, it, you would do it before the meal, get the digestive system going by the saliva and all that type of stuff, I'm assuming. Um, yeah. How You say you wanted it to be temporary. If they're doing bitters from the farmer's market, can they do that more of a longevity or does that also need to be temporary? Bitters is a good... Um, that I would say is safe to take long-term, especially when you know you're going to eat like a heavy fibrous meal or a heavy protein meal. Um, taking bitters ahead of time would be a great idea. Or like I said, eating bitter foods, that's going to be good practice for anybody. There's actually some cultures out there that intentionally do that with their meals. There's a reason they serve this type of food before yeah. their meals. And it's because they understand that it does help with digestion. So that's probably safe to do across the board. If you're actually supplementing with enzymes and hydrochloric acid, that is something that I would recommend doing only on a temporary basis um, to, to help support you. But then all of these other components that we're working on, like how you're eating to support that as well, what you're eating, how much you're chewing mm -hmm. are all going to be factors in that as well. So as we start to heal those processes, you, you should, the idea is that you would no longer need the digestive enzyme supplement support. Okay. And the supplements are made in a factory by man, basically. Uh, yeah, to some extent, if you get high quality ones, you're going to actually be getting, um, hydrochloric acid. Like you're going to be getting even like tissue from animals that from the organs that are producing those so that it helps your body to produce the same enzymes. Okay. So it depends on the quality of supplement that you're looking at. Okay. It's like, that's probably a whole nother podcast in itself. That is a whole other. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. So I think we touched a lot on the um, inflammation. Like, so we understand, you know, how's it caused, you know, what causes it, um, what to what to do about it. And now once you feel like the, the client's digestive system is getting in order, the, the um, inflammation is calming down because they don't cut out all the, the stuff they want to eat. <laughs> they yeah. don't cut out the chips and the, the sweets and the breads and they cut that all out. They started getting, building up the digestive enzymes, you know, now they're, um, the, at this point, they're probably already started to feel, how do you call it? Like they're not craving that stuff anymore. I'm going to assume they're not craving it. I, yeah. For the most part, that's what I see for sure. 
Yeah, so they're not craving it, so they should be on the track. Now, they go to a birthday party, and that slice of cake is there. They eat it, and now they're back on the drug again. Um, <laughs> what I hope they- not. <laughs> huh? I hope not. <laughs> you, you know, um, I, I can speak for myself because when I started to change my um, diet, you know, on, it, on, on my own, not by going by any plan, just introducing more fruits and vegetables, like I said, doing the juicing, doing teas, you know, I realized um, that I was no longer craving all of the stuff I used to crave before. You know, yeah. it just happened like automatically by me introducing different things. And all of a sudden I was like, hey, I haven't been eating those chips like I used to. But then I introduced them back into my life. And then now I think I'm I'm in the swing right now where I, I'm I'm like back on my chips again. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm back on the drug of the chips. <laughs> the chip drug. Yes, the, the the chip drug, or sometimes that little piece of chocolate cake, or something. But um, <laughs> but then now they're back on it now, so they're gonna go back to where they were before. The digestive enzymes are gonna start to get out of whack again. That's basically what's gonna happen. Not necessarily. Um, so my goal in working with someone would be, you know, if you get to the point where we're working together, let's say for like like six weeks at this point, by the time you go to that birthday party and you have that cake and you're back on the, back on the, uh, the wagon, uh, yeah. back off the wagon, I should yes. say. <laughs> um, then um, at that point, what we've been working on is how you chew your food and what, like how, what atmosphere are you eating in? So at that point, I would have hoped that we've done enough repair to your system to mm-hmm. be able to handle that. I am I'm a huge advocate for what I call feeding your soul. I love food. And quite frankly, one of my, part of my health background and why I got into this field is migraines. I've gotten migraines for a very long time. Um, They've changed over the years. They've gotten better and they've gotten worse at some points and I'm having a hard time figuring them out. Their migraines are this huge mystery. But Mm -hmm. when I get a migraine, I don't, I don't want to eat my normal, even though I love my normal, like routine diet, like my whole food, my vegetables, my proteins, my eggs, my whatever it is that I'm like, what that I put into my body on a daily basis. What I want when I have a migraine is a bowl of ramen noodles, (laughs) is a bowl of macaroni and cheese. That's what I want. But I'm confident that my system can handle that now, even though it's, it's not the best thing that I'm putting in my body but it's really comforting to me and it feels good. And yeah. so I'm an advocate for, for recognizing that and enjoying food, enjoy a piece of cake. Eating one piece of cake is not going to disrupt the whole process yeah. because you now have tools to help you enjoy a small piece of cake, enjoy the flavor of it, taste it, smell it, be with friends, enjoy your relationships, digest that cake well, Mm-hmm. And hopefully at that point, your hormones will, will be more stable and be able to, to tolerate that, that sugar increase. Um, uh, if we're working on a bacterial kill-off, it's not going to be the best thing for you during that time. Mm-hmm. But I'm a huge advocate of eat more cake. Like eat. <laughs> yeah. You're not going to go off the rails by eating one piece of cake. Or like you said, for you, the problem was like, I had a taste of chips. 
And then I started eating chips a lot more. Yeah. That might take some looking into that. Sugar can be very addicting. There is, there is science out there that talks about the addiction of sugar, especially when it's refined. And when we're eating chips, even if they're high quality chips, it's still a refined grain. So Mm -hmm. it can be, it can absolutely be addictive. Yeah. I love that your response was feeding the soul and and just having that balance to understand, like, you know, I live a, you know, a a well-balanced, healthy life. It's okay if I can enjoy, you know, this ramen soup or this mac and cheese because I'm feeding my soul right now. And feeding your soul is so important as well, too, you know, because you're going to create stress within your body if you're depriving yourself of what you want, but you're saying, I can't have it, I can't have it. Now you're stressing your whole system out so um you're exactly right and you're creating burnout really if you're living like that where you're just rigidly always avoiding things that you enjoy Mm -hmm. guess what you're gonna go off the deep end you are heading to the ledge and you're gonna jump off and that's that's not gonna be pretty either so Mm. so I mean I think we did an amazing job with like having a real mindfulness understanding around inflammation do you have any tools to give anybody around the subject of inflammation um or you know tips or tricks or any last words on inflammation last words on inflammation i would say like overall probably the biggest thing anyone can do to help with inflammation is is to eat whole foods Uh, that might sound really daunting for people who aren't, I grew up on a very processed diet. My family was poor. I had a lot of siblings and we ate a lot of welfare food and food stamps foods. And it was, it was all white bread and very like processed. Mm -hmm. Um, and so coming out of that was challenging and I can see how that could be challenging for some people, but really just one, one step at a time, choosing, choosing whole foods over processed foods is going to be one of your biggest factors. The other one I would say is um, getting individualized support. That doesn't mean going through a whole nutrition program necessarily, but like I've, I run a test called a food sensitivity test. Mm-hmm. And because food is such a big part of a lot of our lives, we all, most of us eat or consume something at least twice a day. Most of us, not all of us. Yeah. And for some of us, we're eating the same thing over and over again. If our digestion is poor and we have not, I'm going to give you a really quick synopsis of what a food sensitivity looks like and why it's such a big factor in inflammation for a lot of people. When our digestion is poor or we're not chewing our food properly or whatever that case is, let's say we're eating like blueberries every day. Blueberries are known to be this like superfood. They're nutritious. They're delicious. They're easy to take on the go. They're really easy to just eat a lot of. Mm-hmm. Let's say your body doesn't break down those blueberries properly. Those unbroken down particles get into your blood and your blood go and it starts to damage the lining of your small intestine um, by getting through it when they're not small enough, first of all. Second of all, that, that particle gets into your blood and your body goes, that's not right. That's foreign. And it starts to develop antibodies to fight it. It's Mm -hmm. now a foreign body, just like a virus would enter your body and your body tries to fight it. Mm -hmm. Um, So your body then goes, oh, blueberries, bad. So now we eat blueberries. And every time we eat this highly nutritious, 
lovely, delicious food that we think is really good for us, our body is stimulating an immune response. And we are getting chronic inflammation because we're eating blueberries at breakfast for dessert. We're eating them all the time. So one of my favorite tools to use for that is to do a food sensitivity test. Mm-hmm. And that will tell you what yeah. foods your body is. And it's not an allergy test. It's a food sensitive. It's telling you what kind of immune response your body is. And that's where the congestion comes in. That's where the stuffiness comes in. That's where the, the achy stiffness comes in. That's what that test will be able to tell us mm-hmm. is what foods are causing those types of reactions that we are not correlating to food. Oh, you just dropped us off a jewel on the end. I, I think it's going to be like, I need the food sensitivity test. Uh, <laughs> and then yeah. they're going to be going to their doctor. My food sensitivity test. Will the doctors give it yep. to on them or will, do they need to really go see like a, a nutritionist? Um, they don't necessarily need to see a nutritionist. No, um, it depends on the facility because food sensitivity tests, I will tell you, are not covered by insurance, no matter who does them. Yeah. Um, and so they can be a little bit spendy for some people. Um, so I think a lot of doctors will probably shy away from it. Any doctor can order it. I can order them, but it, um, it tends to be a little more spendy for people because it's not covered by insurance and people want what's covered by insurance, yeah. unfortunately. And <laughs> so it's worth spending the money on. It is worth, it's worth the investment the in yourself. Because yeah. then once you have, once you have your hands in this toolkit of understanding what works for your body, as we said at the beginning, you, you know, it's very individualistic. Um, so it's, it's key to know this information. Um, yeah. But will they be able to, if they say, okay, I'm going to order this, this thing, they go on the internet and they find a test. Can they read mm-hmm. it themselves or do they really need a professional to read it for them? A lot of them are pretty simplified now. Um, even the one I do is very comprehensive. It, it breaks it down into the different types of immune responses, which is what I like because then we can connect it to symptoms. Mm-hmm. Um, there are companies out there that will do they'll just send you like a kit and they don't break down the different types of immunity, but they do help you. um, They do help you to like, they'll usually create some sort of a plan for you. Like this is, so food sensitivities aren't forever. Like being sensitive to blueberries doesn't mean you can never eat blueberries. It Mm. means that maybe we need to like build up your tolerance, I guess, to them. And that takes a a specific rotate, like rotational type of, um, mm-hmm. protocol. So a lot of the companies do break it down for you. It is easy for a client to read on their own. Um, mm-hmm. having an expert to help them walk through, walk through like the food families and stuff could be helpful, but it's not necessary to do if you wanted to just do something on your own. Okay. Okay. So good to know. And, and you, I feel like it's just so many things I wanted to touch on too, but we can't be here forever. But, <laughs> but, but one more thing I wanted to touch on, cause you've mentioned this quite a few times. Um, and you, and every time you said it, you said it with emphasis. So it's chewing, chewing, chew your food. Chewing. Chew your food. And you know, um, there's so, someone else that I had on this podcast and we're like Instagram buddies and everything now. And we like yeah. done like, um, like, like a challenge and stuff together on the on on Instagram and she emphasized chewing a lot too she said even said chew your liquids um 
Yeah, so you and her are in the same. I agree. I agree. Same boat, yeah, like, when you're talking about the juices and stuff. And yeah, like, and then when I tried it with the liquids, and <laughs> started to like, like the, the, it was like a burst of flavor was like bursting out the side of my teeth somewhere. Um, so for someone that's listening that wants to have a full understanding around chewing, the importance of it, how many bites are we supposed, supposed to even chew? Like, like what are you talking about? Like, I chew talking about (laughs) yeah for sure that I can because you know we hear this kind of my parents never really said it but I remember you know like there's a lot of people who hear as a kid like chew your food make sure you chew your food and I don't know if parents even realize how important that really was um we talked about digestive enzymes earlier two Mm -hmm. of those enzymes start in your saliva and like I said your body can recognize what foods you're taking in so you need to give it time actually recognize those so chewing your food is an important part of that the start of the digestive process and Mm -hmm. if we're seated we're probably going to be chewing more um but yeah we need to stimulate those digestive enzymes inside of our inside of our mouth before they even get into our stomach and the rest of the process happens so how you asked how much do we chew it's different depending on what you're eating. So what I like to tell people is chew until it becomes liquid, mm. um, which doesn't doesn't necessarily logically coincide with like chewing your smoothies and chewing your, you know, things like that, um, because they're already liquid. The whole purpose of them is that they're already liquid, but letting them sit in your mouth until you can feel them become more watery. Like you can feel like when your mouth starts to water because you're like, thinking about a food or you're smelling a food and your mouth starts to water, that's your digestive enzymes. Mm-hmm. That's like, and so if you can do that with your smoothie, dentists will hate me for saying this. So it would be a good idea to also make sure you take care of your teeth because letting something sit in your, like a smoothie will also cause problems in that realm, but it's important to get those digestive enzymes going. So yeah, chew your food till it's liquid is what I tell people. Cause that's going to look different for, you know, like let's say a handful of almonds versus you know an egg yeah like that's oh, gonna look a little 62 times i don't know i'm, I'm not gonna chew my eggs 62 times yeah gross. <laughs> but for a handful of almonds i might need to i might need to chew it about you know 30 30 times 40 times until it becomes nice and liquidy in my mouth so okay. wow okay Okay, so this is um this is all good information to know. Okay, you just opened up a can of worms for us. Like we got <laughs> <laughs> we could talk again. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I could talk about this so all much to dissect here. Um, and I thank you, thank you, thank you so much for just bringing so much insight around inflammation and just really understanding the value of digesting, digestive enzymes, chewing your foods. Like the list can go on on all of yeah. the beautiful, valid information that you gave us for all of us, because all of us are eating unless we're a breatharian out here. But um, for sure, for sure. <laughs> so I think all of us can take something from today's episode. Um, but before I let you go, I would love for you to tell us what does becoming unique mean to you? What does becoming And I, th- I think that actually kind of ties in with my affirmation at the beginning. I think being permission to be who I need to be in any given moment. I think in this world of a lot of comparison, I have struggled big time to figure that out. Yeah. And so now, now I think it's just a matter of 
making sure I under I understand that I have permission to be who I need to be today. And that's going to look different than you or, you know, the Instagram world or whoever. It's going to look like who I need to be. So, yay. I love that. I love that. Um, okay. I know after all of this information that you shared today, <laughs> are people able to contact you if they're, if they're not in your area or like how, you know, how does it work for you? Because you yeah. have services to offer, right? Absolutely. Yeah. I, um, my practice was built um, on an, on, in an online platform. So mm-hmm. everything I do is online. So people, I can help people anywhere. Um, they just go to my website. Um, I give a free consultation because I don't want to work with someone who we don't, we don't click well, or if it's a, if it's a condition that I don't think that I can help with, I'm going to refer them to somebody who actually can. Um, so I always offer a free consult consultation and everything is done securely online. So. Okay. And then what's your website? Hillarybeckwith.com. Nice. Okay. So I'll have your information in the show details. So if anybody wants to reach out to you and get okay. these um these tests, <laughs> food sensitivity. Food sensitivity. Oh, such a big yeah. factor in inflammation. I love it. Yeah. And some of the other tests you talked about in the beginning with the stool and like, I'm like, do I need all of this done? Do I need <laughs> to know where I stand with things? Like, you know, could things be better? <laughs> so oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for sharing all this information. I appreciate yeah, it. I'm honored to be here. Thanks for giving me a chance to talk about it. Yeah. Thank you. People can book a consult with me directly through my website services page. They can also take a free online assessment where I will personally review the information and analyze it and provide them with personalized recommendations to help them improve their health. My website is hillarybeckwith.com. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you so much, Hillary, for showing up for the Becoming Unique podcast, sharing all this amazing, informative information around gut health and inflammation and nutrition. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I truly appreciate it. Make sure you you guys check out Hillary's information. Her website will be in the show notes. And yeah, and this week, I am going to have a surprise for you guys this week coming on Wednesday this week. I'm going to post a YouTube video. I will also have it on the podcast streaming apps, but I will post it on the YouTube channel. Like I said at the beginning, um, not the, the beginning of this show, but the beginning of this season that I had so many batched out um, episodes for you guys. And um, I did a lot of them without recording so um i'm kind of backed up and i want to get the youtube page like rolling you know i get two videos on the air but i don't want to wait a month month and a half before i put the next video so yeah so i'm gonna do a midweek um podcast so yeah let's see how this goes so be sure to tune in to becoming unique on wednesday and yeah and make sure you are subscribed on all channels so you know you can get notifications and so on have a beautiful beautiful week and i will see you guys next time bye